Amen. Good morning. If you're in your lounge, look around. Give someone a wave. Tell them happy uh, Valentine's. If you're in the room, look around. Uh, raise an elbow. Do something like that. Uh, yeah. Husbands and wives, you can do more. Uh, because it is, uh, it is Valentine's. So to Cindy. But the rest of you can play along, okay? Knock, knock. Olive. Olive you. <laughs> so I heard of a wife who woke up one morning and she had a big fright. And her husband Jim asked her what the matter was. And she told him and she said, well, I, I had a dream that, that you gave me a pearl necklace today. Because today is Valentine's Day. What do you think it means? And he smiled and he said, you'll know tonight. And so he arrived home that night and he had a beautifully wrapped small package and he gave it to his wife and she was thrilled and she opened it up and there was a book that said, The Meaning of Dreams. <laughs> oh dear, it's, it's great to be together. I... I I had, I had a lot of work to do, guys. I think some of you too. And, and hopefully those who can't watch now, watching later, uh, playing catch-up on, you know, an enormous amount of work to migrate outdoors. And as I look out the window now, I see the sun is shining and the road is dry. And, uh, and, and, and so it's been a tough morning and it's been a, a challenging week in one sense. Um, but at the same time, you know, God's just bigger than these things, and so we're ready for ministry. We're ready to seek Him no matter what the context. And right now, we need to listen to Him. Um, and so it's just good to be together. But those who are joining us online, and whether it's now or whether it's later, I've just, uh, the feedback I've been getting, I'm just understanding, um, just everyone, it's really great to have you. And just know that we're praying for you in the prayer time. We're, we're carrying an awareness. It's not just about people who are in the room. We're carrying an awareness about people who are able to join us online and people who need to wait to join us online. And, and just the sense that God is bigger than space and God is bigger than time. And so we're really trusting him just to keep that sense of ministry as you listen. And then, of course, there's guys who are just catching us on SoundCloud. And, uh, and so that really has proved for some people, you know, whether it's in the car or something like that, during the week they didn't get to be with us. And, uh, and, and so you can go onto PBC and click on the SoundCloud link on our website. And, uh, and so you can catch up or build with us as we rebuild. So we move to Nehemiah chapter 3, where, as it were, the sermon title is Getting Down to Work. I mean, everything up until now has been preparation, absolutely essential to get to the point where you want to work. The, the preparation work, even the grief, even the sorrow, even letting this thing grab hold of his heart and the time spent with the king and then you know, the reconnaissance that Bevan took us through and then the meeting with the people and sharing the vision and putting it in there and facing up to the fact there's going to be an opposition, all of that 
is just part of the legwork that's needed for <laughs> the work they begin now. Now, chapter 3 and chapter 4 are part of a single literary unit. It's not that evident in the English, um, and, but they should be interpreted together. And so I'm going to click a little bit on chapter 4 today because the, chapter is so, the two chapters are actually quite interlinked. But Bernadette White-Phillips, our urban missionary, is going to be our preacher next week. She's going to be weaving stories from what she's actually going through right now in the ministry she's doing at Freigrond, um, at the church there. And uh, so she's going to be teaching next week. So I don't want to steal chapter 4 from her. Um, but I do need to kind of just point out some of the, the, the connecting points. And she'll find herself, I'm sure, uh, leaning a bit back into what we go. But when you look at the two chapters together, let me just say this. The harder they work, the more the opposition. The harder they work, the more the opposition. And secondly, the closer they get to the finish line, the more relentless and intense, the more dangerous and threatening the behavior of the enemies. And, uh, and so just remember that as we read about how they get to work right now. So chapter 3 and verse 1. And, um, you know, every now and then when you're reading Old Testament names, you get really tempted to say, and that guy. Um, and uh, this morning, there's a whole lot of and that guys in the text, but I'm going to do my best. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the gate. And they dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zachar, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakos, repaired the next section. Next to him was Meshalam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Baana, made repairs. And the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa. But their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The Jeshana gate was repaired by Joyada, son of Pasea, and Mashalam, son of Besodea. They laid its beams and put its doors with the bolts and bars. Next to them, repairs were made by the men of Gibeon and Mizgah, and that guy of Gibeon and Jadon of Meronoth, places under the authority of the trans-Euphrates. Uziel, son of Harhaiah, the goldsmiths, repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, great, eh? made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Rephiah, son of Hur, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jediah, son of Haramaf, <laughs> made repairs next to his house, and Hattush, son of another guy, made repairs next to him. Malkijah, son of Harim, and Hashub, son of Pahas Mohav, repaired another section of the tower of the ovens. Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler of the half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughter. Now I'm absolutely exhausted. <laughs> We're going to pick up a few more readings as we go on. The first thing I want you to see as we look at this passage 
getting down to work, rebuilding a nation by rebuilding a city, understanding what the issues are. Number one, rebuilding is hard work. When things are broken, when things have been torn down, when there is rubble everywhere, and when life is tough, rebuilding is just hard, hard work. The main words in this chapter are repair and rebuild, and that's what they do, and that's what they did. (laughs) Sometimes our task in life, in our homes, in our places of work, in our ministry, in our mission is to dream and create. We get to lay new foundations. We get to invent things. We get to come up and, as it were, uh, explore new ground and pioneer. But sometimes the hardest work you will do is just to fix things. Things are broken. Things are burnt. Things are torn down. And sometimes the hardest work we will do is getting down to this work of rebuild and repair. Whether it's the economy, our mission as a church. You know, we, we love to spare ourselves work. Um, if it ain't broke, don't. We, 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 we love it if things are, can just be left alone. And one of the hard things Jeremiah did right from chapter 1 was recognized it's broke. We can't leave it. And even if it is such hard work, we've got to get it. Can we really say of what's going on around us, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? Building the things that really matter just is going to take a lot from us. And I know that we're reeling from the pressures and the stress of a global pandemic, hitting and hurting us in personal ways, in so many different ways. It just seems too much to ask ourselves to work to rebuild community and connection. It's just easier to switch off and hope that at some point it will automatically switch on. But let's be honest. The more we hope it'll automatically switch on, the more evident it is that it doesn't automatically switch on. It's going to take work to rebuild ministries, to rebuild the outreach that we had in schools and among children, and seeing dozens and hundreds of children and young people in our ministries on a Friday evening. It's going to take work to rebuild our missional presence, We were able to open our homes and welcome people in and share meals and break bread together. It's going to take work to build a just and fair city and a just and fair and accessible economy. It's going to take work. It's going to take work to rebuild our social skills and not our social media skills. It's going to take work to overcome our fear. It's going to take work to overcome our inertia. Rebuilding is just hard work. Remember, Cindy flagged a really important question for us. Who's going to miss out and suffer if we don't do this work? 
Who's going who's to miss out? Who's going to suffer if we don't do this work? And remember, Bevan also showed us, and God doesn't miss out or suffer, let's be quite clear. But one of Nehemiah's great concerns was the honor and glory of God's name himself. So rebuilding is hard work and it often gets harder as you go, as some of us found out this week. And when you start, you sometimes get a few early wins and there's initial enthusiasm. But if the rebuild is going to last, you are going to have to persevere. Stick with the program, even when you feel totally spent and you've had to work like never before. Guys, just honestly, between the 24th of December and maybe the beginning of February, I don't know if I've ever worked as long and as hard and as intensely as I have. To step into the heartache and brokenness and fear and tragedy that people are experiencing. I've never shepherded more. Some of you might be saying, well, I haven't seen you. Well, I'm still here. (laughs) I'm still standing. In one sense, it's about sometimes the most you can say. But that's okay. You know, Nehemiah says this in chapter 4, verse 6, one of our little glimpses of chapter 6. So we rebuilt the wall. All of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. Isn't that great? But we read just a couple of verses later in verse 10, but the strength of the laborers is giving out. The strength of the laborers is giving out. You're only halfway. It just feels like you can't go anymore. You know, Simon and Garfunkel, those great prophets of the 70s, Observed in a human tra- observed a human trait, and, and one of their songs slips sliding away. I'll let you hum it in your heads. There's this line: "The nearer your destination." So actually, the the punchline of the whole song: "The more you're slip sliding away." And just understand the dynamic when you're having to do something of significance. That the closer you get to the finish line, the more you will be tempted to chuck it all in. Don't give up. I know it's hard. It's worth it. So what are some of the things God has spoken to us about rebuilding in recent weeks? And, and those are different things that we're facing. Some of you, it's very much in your workspace. For some of us, it's in our home space. For some of us, it's in a ministry or missional space Don't give up. Bring those things to mind. Don't give up. Even when it seems like too much, even feels like your strength is giving out. One of the problems they had was just so much rubble around. (laughs) Even when the opposition is saying this is, you're doing this for all the wrong reasons. In the middle of that, in chapter 4, verse 9, I'll just point to this. In the midst of their strength giving out, it says, and so we prayed to God and set a guard. So we prayed to God. So we prayed to God. I'm looking forward to our week of prayer, but explore. Don't give up. It's hard work. Rebuilding is hard work. And rebuilding is teamwork. Secondly, 
We're not meant to do this all alone. We're not meant to try and get the whole place sorted. And for some of us, we just feel completely overwhelmed when we see all that there is in terms of the rebuilding that's needed. And we just go, how can I do this? And the point is, it's not you who's meant to do it. It's us who's meant to do it. Rebuilding is hard work, yes, but rebuilding is team work. Nehemiah, his, his success depends upon giving work away. He's got 39 different teams, and who knows how many people inside those teams actually delivering, working simultaneously, all clear on their task, assigned their areas of responsibility. And, and the, the, the chapter actually takes Jerusalem, starts at the north, and goes counterclockwise. So if you're watching from that side, I suppose it goes that way. Um, it goes counterclockwise and describes, as it were, every part clear, assigned, every team working not just on their work, but very clear on where their work joins to the teams that are on either side of them. And so they know we've got to work, we've got to work, but we've also got to work together. What's the point of having a wall that when the joins come, the joins aren't linked? Chatting to a theological mentor on Friday, and the conversation went to a church plant that Cindy and I led in, in the Natal Midlands <coughs> back in the Jurassic era, I think it was. And uh, everyone, as we were getting stuck into church planting, everyone worked. But the truth is, we work disproportionately. Our household, to the extent that the church really struggled the first few years we moved to Pinelands. And honestly, it wasn't their fault. We just did not give enough away. Rebuilding is teamwork. And this requires leaders to have high levels of inner security. And create environments and teams with high levels of trust, high levels of investing, actual responsibility to deliver the outcomes that you're hoping to see. Now, this wasn't dirty delegation. You can see Nehemiah. At one point, he says, I didn't even get a chance to change my kit. Like, like we literally lived, slept, worked with clothes on. So he wasn't afraid of work. But rebuilding is teamwork, and good teams require good leaders. You see, good leaders have several functions. Leaders create order. That's probably one of the first functions that they have. And they solve problems. They don't leave them. They go after them. They guard unity. And they empower people. And they pursue the vision. And they stay with and adjust the plan. You've got to be clear. You've got a plan. You stay with the plan and you adjust the plan. If you only have one plan, you're going to struggle as a leader. You've got to have that kind of built-in flexibility that knows what the bigger plan is so that you can adjust the smaller ones and get there. And when leaders do this, when they create order, solve problems, guard unity, empower the right people, pursue the vision, stick with the plan, they build healthy and amazing teams. People begin to see that what I'm doing, as hard as this is, is actually part of a much bigger response. Note to self in this process. 
not everyone's going to play along. I don't know if you notice towards the end of verse 5, some people don't get on board. The fragile egos of the nobles from Tekoa, they just don't want the supervisors. They don't want people over them. And so, you know, they just can't cope with the thought that someone else is going to tell them what to do. And so they don't play along. And they become rather infamous. And no matter how critical the work, compelling the vision, dangerous the threats, the snobs from Tekoa refuse to work. Now we'll learn a little bit more about some of these nobles, not just Tekoa in chapter 5. But they had a vested interest. They were getting rich from the economies of, of the effect of slavery that people were living with. But the truth is they were massively in the minority. And, you know, often when we think that we're facing passive people or opposition, and there's a couple of voices, we somehow think, everyone's against me. <laughs> now, there's some people who won't work, and there's some people who will oppose you. But the truth of it is, is that rebuilding is teamwork. And when you do the job of giving the vision away and making people clear on what they can do and how they can help, you will be amazed at what we see. One of the things I was determined to do different at Pinelands Baptist Church is make sure that there were other real leaders with real responsibility and that there wasn't a whole system, an ecosystem that depended on one or two of us. I love this. Even uh, Shalom's daughters get stuck in and break the gender stereotype of the day. And they get an honorable mention. They get a special mention. They're part of the team. They're part of the team. Rebuilding is hard work. Rebuilding is teamwork. And rebuilding is homework. I'll jump through a couple of verses. Uh, verse 22. We read of different characters. The repairs next to him were made by the priests from the surrounding regions. Beyond them, Benjamin and Hashub made repairs in front of their house. Next to them, Azariah, son of Maaseiah, the son of Anani, made repairs beside his house. Above the horse gates, the priest made repairs, each in front of his, house, his own house. Next to them, Zadok, son of Immer, made repairs opposite his house. About half the repairs were done by people that were literally working in front of their own homes and dwellings. Rebuilding a city often starts with rebuilding broken walls right outside and right inside our own homes. Rebuilding is hard work, rebuilding is teamwork, and rebuilding is homework. We've got work to do in our homes Maybe one of the things that we confronted with in our homes is the discipling of our own children. We've sort of like discovered during this time and been chatting about it, and it's, it's certainly, there's no finger pointing, but many of us have found out we had effectively outsourced the discipling of our children to the church. And we've got homework to get done. In which as parents, now at every dedication service, the church commits itself to help you disciple your kids. But the core work that should have been in place, that may need rebuilding in our lives, in our homes, and in our patterns. And so some of the things we've begun to do, you'll notice the children's talks have changed. We've now got parents interacting with children during the children's talks because we're starting to model and think about 
what the kinds of conversations we can show are part of what discipling a new generation and reaching our own children actually looks like. With this in mind, we've changed some of the aspects of the week of prayer. So parents, you can expect to engage with your children in, in the children's slot. It's not just something the kids watch, it's something that we're hoping you will do together with them. For some of us, as we think of homes, this time has shown us that it's our marriages that need rebuilding. Those foundations have been damaged. Now, also recognize that not all of our families have marriage at the center. I know that. And, and we want to include you and help you but it doesn't help for us to pretend that marriage isn't at the building at the heart of the, the home building block that God originally intended. Now that doesn't mean that things can't be redeemed, won't be redeemed. And some of those things have faced us and our loneliness faces us through, through no choice or fault of our own. But if marriage is a building block that needs work, don't leave it. Don't leave it. There's so many opportunities. Um, and you could chat to us. I'm not going to go there now. One of the things that Nehemiah does, chapter 4, verse 13, for example, is that they send the most resources and the most people to the lowest points in the wall. Now, you know, a couple of years ago, it was all the rage to have the strength revolution. Find out what you're good at. Run with that. Don't waste time on your weaknesses, we were told. It depends what the weaknesses are. It depends what life categories they fall in. If you're dealing with your health, it's no good saying, man, I've got great muscle tone. It's just a pity my lungs have collapsed and focus on more muscle tone. You've got to deal with those areas. And when you're facing threat in a city, they had to look honestly at the things that were their lowest scores, the lowest point in the fence. And Nehemiah sends more resources to the lowest points. He sends more people, more guards and if you're at a low point, can I say to you, don't go it alone. Call for the more. Let people come and walk alongside you during this rebuilding work that starts at home. Why do I say that? Because I know we have certain patterns inside our home and we've got used to our dysfunction. And it takes the input that comes from outside. I mean, we like any normal dysfunctional family, you know. You get upset with one, so you shout at the other. Whatever it is, we all have our ways. And it takes someone coming to your low point. Someone coming to stand God for you. Someone coming to help you move the building blocks in place that you need. And so don't leave the walls broken. Strength finder is good. Obviously, we want to put people functioning in the place that God has equipped and skilled them to be. We want gift-based ministry. But understand that when you're dealing with things that determine health 
and righteousness. You've got to go after the weak areas. Some of us this week have been devastated to read of the findings of a well-known Christian apologist who passed away last year. And he had blown it. He had low points in his war, and he denied it and pretended those weren't there. Get help for the most vulnerable parts of your life. Make them a priority. So rebuilding is hard work, rebuilding is teamwork, rebuilding is homework, but never forget, and Nehemiah says this in chapter 6, verse 3, rebuilding is great work. When these enemies want to kind of knock him off stride and come and have him sit in a hundred different meetings and committees with them, and, and you know, he just says, sorry, I'm not coming. I'm, I'm busy with a great work. I'm just, I'm just busy with a great work. It's hard work, yes. It's teamwork. It's wonderful. And yes, we are often starting right at our front door. But never forget that when you're rebuilding for God's honor, when you're rebuilding with a heart of concern for people and love for them, that rebuilding, as hard as it is, is also great work. Let's pray together. This morning I was just getting ready, thinking about closing the service, chatting to Hillary. And one of the things the Holy Spirit reminded me of is don't just look at the things that God is convicting you. Maybe you've heard some things and you've sensed God convicting you. Like there's stuff to say, God, I'm sorry, please help me begin again. But take a moment and listen for what God is quickening to you. What's it that grabbed you that's going to move you forward? Often the convicting, if we only focus on that, we don't see where God is taking us. We only see where we've messed up in the past. What has God accelerated inside of you as, you've, as we've opened his word this morning? What is it you needed? Tell him. Just tell him. Just tell him. If you're online, you're watching this on Wednesday afternoon, it's fine. You can tell him then. <laughs> so God, help me get what you're stirring, what you're moving up, moving forward. And Lord, we give you the things that need work. We give you the low points in the wall. We give you what we need, where we need that extra defense. But we also ask that you would stir us for the things that you see as just our calling, our destiny, our assignment from you. Thank you, Craig. Rebuilding is hard work. This week, I was very aware of hard work that I was doing. Um, in fact, it was more than a week ago that I became aware of the hard work that we're doing. We're running a Love After Marriage workshop via Zoom, and 14 of the 36 couples are either dealing with addictions or infidelity or looking at divorce. And I'm a feeler. And I was feeling the pain of these couples. 
and it was hard and it was heavy and I couldn't get out from under it. I'd asked for prayer. I was doing everything I knew to get rid of the heaviness that I was feeling. I was worshipping. I was using the tool of nailing heaviness to the cross and nothing would move it. And so I asked people to pray. I asked our prayer team to pray. And one of the ladies on our prayer team suggested that we fast. And so we fasted on Tuesday. Gary, Gary and I fasted. And I don't know how many other people fasted, but a number of people fasted. And you know, God came and did something. He lifted the heaviness that I was carrying because I called out to other people and we used a spiritual tool which God invites us to use to draw near to his heart. It's not manipulative. It's just saying, God, I need you more. And as we call out to God and ask for his help in these difficult days, as we use the tools that God has given us, as we use our community, as we come together as a community, as we make a phone call, use a WhatsApp call, and invite others into our pain, into our difficulties, into the hard things we're facing. And they come alongside us. As community, we discover that we can build together. And as you do your homework in your home, and as I do my homework in my home, I want to bless you as you call someone else in to help you to see what's going on in the dysfunction of your home. Because as you do that, as, someone, as you listen to someone else's story, you realize that what you're doing actually isn't right. And that wakes you up. And then you can ask them to pray for you and help you. You can get advice because there is lots of advice and lots of help available. Rebuilding is a great work. And it's wonderful to keep going with God's plan. And so I bless you in Jesus' name to keep rebuilding, to keep doing what God has called you to do. I bless you this week to reach out for help because it's available. Thank you, Hilary. Folks, I think we're going to just rest there. So it's, uh, it's close together. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling, to the only wise God, our Savior, who's able to present you faultless before his presence with great joy to this God, be glory and honor, power, dominion and might, now and forever. Amen. Thank you, everyone.